You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wow. It's a clean slate. Put the uh, reception desk right here. Uh, get some comfortable seating for the clients. It's big. A lot of offices. Yeah, I like the openness. feel like I can breathe in here, you know? It's not some claustrophobic little closet that smells like acetone. <laughs> Room to grow. Dream big, I say. Got a decent-sized conference room. Not as big as... Hamlin's, but you know, it's cozy. Our elderly brethren prefer that, I find. Yeah, could be cozier though. Maybe you could embroider some little cushions. Crochet a runner for the table. The rocking chairs all around? Yes. Make it look like the front of a cracker barrel, huh? <laughs> now you're talking. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off when he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. State Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul. Better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a Welcome guy. to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Beauvais. And we're a day late and a dollar short on this one, I guess, this week, Glenn. <laughs> we're finally... We're playing the catch-up game here, and we've got uh, two episodes to cover. This is the first time you and I have ever done this, so... Where we've, where we've fucked up, or we've just yeah, missed a week, or... Yeah, we've missed a week when we've had to do play catch-up. Like, this is the first time we've done this. Are you sure? I thought there was maybe like a... Like an episode of Gotham or something where we missed a No, week I don't think it was Gotham. I know Arrow, it was a little weird because of when they did that break, but I don't think we've ever actually had to make up time now i'm totally looking to see if there is a yes there is there there is in fact i don't know uh gotham episode nine we covered the episodes harvey dent and lovecraft oh yeah because uh yeah whenever my dvr yeah i remember and nah, i know we're talking about i think that may be the only other time this may I, this may be the first time this has happened just because of uh life getting in the way that sort of thing scheduling conflicts and things like that where we missed uh we essentially missed a week um yeah because i think we were all ready to go and then i got sick or something and i i don't remember if it was when i got sick yeah you got sick and then it just kept getting put off and put off and then by the time we were going to be able to do it it was going to be next week so what's Uh the point ah well we're here (laughs) and we're talking uh, we're talking season one, episode seven of Better Call Saul, Bingo, and uh, the uh, the eighth episode called Rico. Uh, but let us let us start with uh, with Bingo. We're going to jump back in time, uh, back to March the sixteenth, Glenn, and uh, discuss this episode. So this is right after five zero, the uh, the the Mike heavy episode. Uh, and this just spoiler alert: this episode did not live up to the Mike. Uh, the Mike heavy episode, but I think both of us were not expecting it to no <laughs> to, to live up to it. Um, okay, so we begin with the poli- at the police station, and uh, Jimmy and Mike uh, are returning the notepad that they have stolen from Detective Abasi, claiming that they found it in the parking lot, uh, which I don't think he bought. 
actually. Uh, despite despite Abbasi's accusations against Mike, his partner, Detective Sanders, privately assures Mike that he has little to fear. Jimmy visits Chuck at his home as he is building up his tolerance uh, to electromagnetic frequencies outdoors. Uh, I think he said he was up to like five minutes or something mm-hmm. like that. He has planned to be in five minutes in, in two weeks or at the end of next week. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Chuck desperately wants to become useful again. And to help him, Jimmy stores some legal documents at Chuck's house with an ulterior motive for him to sort of get involved in the cases that he's currently working on, uh, which I believe Chuck sort of falls for a little bit. Uh, Jimmy brings Kim to an office suite that he is considering for his practice and asks her to join him as partner. She turns him down, however, due to her loyalty to Hamlin, Hamlin, and McGill. Later, Kim meets with the Kettlemans and proposes a plea deal that involves a 16-month prison sentence uh, and returning the embezzled money and an admission of guilt. Uh, since losing the trial would mean up to 30 years in prison, she recommends this course of action. However, Betsy Kettleman flatly rejects this deal. Boy, does she ever reject this. She is. They are not criminals, Glenn. They did not steal this. They're, in fact, what money are you even talking about, Kim? There is no money. How many times have we had to say this? Uh, a bunch of times they basically deny this over and over again. And then they eventually just decide to fire Kim because she's just flat out saying, look, uh, you can do 16 months or you can do 30 years. Your call. And they're like, okay, well, you're fired. And they go back to Jimmy. Uh, um, eventually, uh, at the beginning, Jimmy essentially is just like, look, just you should take Kim's deal. <laughs> whatever, whatever deal she was offering you, trust me. Uh, however, Betsy Kettleman blackmails Jimmy by pointing out that the retainer they paid to Jimmy would implicate him, uh, as well as taking a bribe because they used that money that they stole and Jimmy knew that that was the money that they stole. Uh, so that put Jimmy in a bit of a bind, uh, while picking up records from Hamlin, Hamlin McGill, Jimmy discovers that Kim has been demoted as a result of losing the Kettleman, uh, suit. Concerned, uh, Jimmy, basically this is what Jimmy McGill decides to do when he's backed into this corner. He goes back to Mike, who basically owes him for getting him through this whole mess with the, uh, uh, with the Philadelphia cops. And were they from Philadelphia, Glenn? I think they were from yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, they were from yeah. Philly. Yeah. Um, so basically Mike owes him one, and this is what Mike does. He goes and sprays a fluorescent liquid on the ke- on a on a stack of the bills that the Kettlemans gave to Jimmy and return it uh, with the others. I think he like puts it in like a radio-controlled truck or something outside of the Kettleman's home and then just sits there and eats about 37 apples uh, waiting for them to take this money in and then to go to bed. Uh, and then Mike breaks into their home in the middle of the night using a black light. He traces the money to uh, uh, basically a a false cutout uh, in a, in a bathroom cabinet uh, where they have all of the money. So Jimmy uh, has Mike take the money and deliver it to the district attorney after which Mike states they will be square. Uh, The next day, Jimmy visits the Kettleman's and discovering the money is missing. uh, Betsy again threatens to reveal uh, that Jimmy is also guilty of taking the bribe. But Jimmy replies that if she does that, she will be guilty of a crime as well. In addition to her husband and their children will have both of their parents in prison rather than one. The Kettleman's relent and return to Hamlin Hamlin McGill to accept the plea deal with a grateful Kim. While frustrated, Jimmy returns to his prospective office space 
to release his anger, which I'm guessing uh, Office Space he also never gets to actually buy now that mm-hmm. that retainer is gone. Uh, so what did you think of uh, of Bingo? Uh, I liked it. I the the. <laughs> We're gonna. I'll just cut it out. I'm just. I'm not gonna say I like it because every single episode I'm going to like. It seems like so. <laughs> right. I think there's gonna be a bad episode. Uh, but uh, as I told you, I I watched this episode twice, and the second go around, I completely either phased out. I don't know. Zoned. I I don't know what happened, but mm-hmm. I did not see Mike. At the on the property at all, I had you no just idea. Missed that whole. I missed stack that of time. whole silent sequence. I huh. don't know if I just fast forward the DVR and as I was looking on my phone, I looked up and was like, "Oh, okay," and then started Better Call Saul from there. Like I, I don't know, because uh, I was completely lost in the fact that how would he know it was up in the sink? I was like, "Oh, okay, he maybe he had someone do something," and right. then you see what they did. I'm like, "Man, that's." Mike's great. Yeah, Ooh, man. Uh, he busted. He busted in. Used that black light. No, I mean it was. I like the scene with with Mike and the you know the older guy from Philly. That, yeah. that was a really good little talk. Sam, Again, you know, Sam. not much was said. <laughs> no. But uh, no, it. I mean, it's it's a solid episode. It's another good one. Uh, and the Kettleman's. I mean, holy crap! I mean, the the sit down in the diner, and he's just like. <laughs> For for my for my insa- for my sanity's sake, mm. can we please just all come down from cloud nine? Yes, and 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 accept the fact that we all know what what happened. What is in the bag that you took the money? Please, can we just? Yeah, it was driving him nuts. Acknowledge that, that. assistant. Yeah, and then whenever you know again at the house, and he's like, "You and logic, I understand, are you know opposite ends." But yes. man, it's just. <laughs> And she is, she is just, I, I sit and I'm looking, I watch the, the show and I'm just like, God, this is like the worst episode of Mari. Like this woman is insane. The deepest, she was in the deepest pits of denial. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Incredible. Like, I, I think maybe she just thought, you know, like if I just keep saying it enough times, then mm-hmm. I'll believe it. And then if I believe it, everyone will believe me. And maybe that's, maybe that's the route she was going on. Uh you know, I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he kind of had to do the only thing he could do, uh, which was have Mike steal the money back because obviously they can't go to the police because Mike stole money that they embezzled. And, uh, you know, and he uh, rightly points out that, like, yes, she could say that, oh, yeah, well, we paid you with this money and you knew it was, you know, that money. You're basically taking a bribe, which you called a retainer. You know, but then he would be like, well, you're in just as much trouble because you were the one who was doing the bribing with the money. You would also be implicated in all of this instead of just your husband. Uh, and uh, eventually, um, uh, what's his name, Kettleman? I can't remember uh, the husband's name, but, you know, he, he was just, you know, he did a mod Flanders, you know, just think of the children, uh, that sort of thing. And eventually, you know, she... She caved eventually and was like, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it was a. I agree with you. It was a. It was a good episode. Um, it had a just a gigantic 
peak to climb, though, from the previous week's episode. Yeah, but I don't... Like, which yeah, it was not, never going to touch, yeah. Yeah, well, that's unrealistic expectations. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And, and this was kind of just to, to, uh, to get the Kettleman story out of the way. It's kind of been brewing for those... Uh, previous most of the previous six episodes obviously in 5-0 the, there was no real you know story with yeah. them in that episode but from most of the episodes so far this season they have been involved in one form or fashion uh so this was kind of the episode where they sort of get written off um for uh, uh, presumably forever but who knows maybe maybe they'll come back glenn those kettlemans I, I don't know would you want them to come back i don't think so I, I don't. I wouldn't want them to come back. Especially her, Betsy like Kettleman, yes. the the husband is to me more boggling than than the the wife. Yeah, I, I, this kind of sits there, and he just looks like such an idiot. Yeah, the way the way it always felt to me watching it was like she was the mastermind behind. behind yeah, I mean, he even he was said she's idiot. gonna have her own gang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, it's like, yeah, she run the joint or whatever, but yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Like he was the patsy in this whole thing. And, uh, she was the one who was kind of pulling all of the strings or whatever. And he was just a very doting idiot, I guess, in that regard. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. What did you, uh, was there, was there anything negative in this episode for you or, or other than the fact that there's like that chunk of missing time for you? Were you? Yeah. I mean, like uh, I saw it, I saw parts. it again and it was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. But again, I, even then I just gave it the benefit of the doubt. I was just, oh, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out some way, you know, like you did with Breaking Bad. You'll, you'll eventually, you know, like you did in Breaking Bad, you'll just eventually figure it out. So they'll give us the answer. Yeah, it turns out they, it turns out they already had given you the answer. You I just... mean, if I could sit there for a whole season and wonder what the hell is with that damn teddy bear in the pool, That's then right. <laughs> a, a, an episode or two. Correct, sir. Uh, what would you What would you give this one uh, score wise? Uh, I'll give it a four. I mean, it was solid. It wasn't anything crazy, but um, it was it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to give it a strong three and a half. Oh man. Yeah. I'm breaking ranks here. Um, yeah, I mean, it was totally, it was totally fine. Um, it was, but like I said, it was, it, it kind of just uh, was there to kind of dump the rest of like the Mike story, which was kind of dumped rather abruptly, I thought. Uh, where they kind of reveal like Mike killed these guys, and it seems like the cops kind of, you know, the two cops kind of know he killed them, and then they just ha- kind of have a sit down chat where it's like, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> And I'm like, well, what was all this for then? I guess just to have that episode where we got Mike's flashbacks, backstory stuff. I guess that was the whole reason for all of it. But it was, it felt to me like it was kind of dismissed kind of pretty quickly mm-hmm. without much. I mean, maybe it will come back to, to bite Mike at some point or uh, cause more more problems in the future. But it, for the time being, that was kind of a, a rather quick out for that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it was just the episode to kind of just dump the Kettleman storyline, too. But I mean, everything was all well done, of course, um, which is why I gave it a strong three and a half. But I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was like four or above material for me. But it was a really strong episode. Um, pff, the next episode, I forgot. I'm so used to like, and now we close the show. But no, there's another episode. It's a double your double your fun, I guess, this week, Glenn. 
what do we got here? Season one, episode eight. This one is called Rico. All caps, Glenn. Mrs. Landry, just a few more signatures and uh, <clears throat> I will be done. Would you like another Hydrox? No, thank you. I'm all Hydroxed out. Oh, well, <laughs> please help yourself if you change your mind. All right, that one. Okay, and that one. And that is it. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> I should have done this years ago. Well, people do tend to put it off, but everybody should have a will. Please tell your friends. And that comes to $140. And I'm happy to take uh, cash or a check or uh, cash. <laughs> One moment. Could you write me a check? Rico Suave. And it's not Rico Suave. Uh, Oh, that's stupid. (laughs) Waste an opportunity. So uh, here we go. We've got... uh, we start with a flashback. We've got a young Jimmy who, by the way, these young, these flashbacks to young Jimmy, he still looks like older Jimmy. <laughs> he doesn't look all that much younger to me, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, we do have young Jimmy as he's working as a mail clerk at, at Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. And uh, one day he receives a notice that he has passed the state bar exam, which he goes and tells Chuck uh, this news. And he is super excited uh, and he's hoping that since Chuck's name is on the masthead of this place, that he'll be able to become an attorney for Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. And uh, uh, Chuck uh, kind of knows better, I think. And he lets them know kind of lightly that, well, it's like I'll put in a good word for you. And this is awesome and everything. But uh, the other partners have to clear the hiring, too. It's it, it's not just up to him. Um, he basically has a celebration with all of the underlings that he works with. Uh, and then Howard Hamlin comes in and tells him that the firm will not be hiring him immediately, coldly uh, suggesting to re-examine his application in six months. Uh, we now meet up with Jimmy in the present, who is uh, growing suspicious when a client mentions that her nursing home, uh, Sandpiper Crossing, controls her pension and her social security by giving her $500 uh, $500 a month allowance, deducting fees, and putting the rest of the money in savings. Upon receiving her invoices, Jimmy's suspicions grow as he begins collecting invoices from other residents. Uh, He's beginning to smell a rat, Glenn, I think is what's happening here. And uh, Jimmy returns to Chuck's home to analyze the invoices, and they find evidence of Sandpiper Crossing systematically overcharging its residents, making them guilty of fraud and forming grounds for a class action lawsuit. And Chuck suggests that Jimmy should look for more evidence. Uh, Jimmy is turned away from the front desk at Sandpiper Crossing. However, he can hear documents being shredded and hastily writes a demand letter in the bathroom on toilet paper, I believe. (laughs) After being removed, he resorts to uh, rummaging through the uh, uh, rummaging through their dumpsters, essentially, in order to find some shredded documents. And basically he is in. Uh, just the filthiest dumpster getting crap dumped all over him. And when these guys leave, he climbs out filthy as hell and then notices a, like a recycling bin (laughs) just 
clean as day. Just They're just sitting right in there. He pulls them out. They're all shredded up and whatnot, but he takes them back to Chuck's place, and he starts uh, kind of gluing them together, I guess, as one does, uh, onto, like, uh, clapboards and binders and whatever he can find to, to kind of piece these uh, these documents together. Uh, hopefully looking for something incriminating uh, with a, uh, and eventually they do. Uh, they do find some stuff uh, basically thanks to Chuck because Jimmy f- passes out on the floor and Chuck basically does all the rest of the work uh, and they find said incriminating document. Now they have a solid case against Sandpiper Crossing. They decide to become co-counsels and uh, Chuck wants to help Jimmy in the case. Uh, they then contact Sandpiper's attorneys with the evidence, and they agree to meet. Uh, meanwhile, Mike is playing babysitter with his granddaughter. Uh, uh, when Stacy returns uh, from work, she asks Mike what to do with the bribe, or what he did with the bribe money, or not what he did with the bribe money, what to do with the bribe money that Maddie had stashed away. And Mike tells her that she should use it for herself and for her daughter so that some good can come from the dirty money. Stacy thanks Mike, but notes that even with the bribe money, it's not enough to cover her expenses. Troubled by this, Mike returns to the veterinarian that treated his bullet wounds and asks him if there is any quote-unquote work available. Hmm... Uh, meanwhile, Sandpiper Crossing's attorneys deny that the home is defrauding its residents, but concede that some of them were perhaps overcharged, and they were willing to compensate that uh, for a grand total of $100,000. However, Jimmy presents evidence that Sandpiper is engaging in illicit interstate commerce, and that makes them eligible for a RICO lawsuit, uh, which is bad, in case people aren't unaware of what a RICO is. That's a... Uh, that's, that's terrible. That's not good news. That's like a big federal investigation and stuff. Uh, Chuck demands that Sandpiper Crossing pay $20 million in settlement fees, which the attorneys refuse as they make preparations for the court case and exhausted Jimmy left some paperwork in his car and preoccupied with his preparation. Chuck casually leaves the house to retrieve the paperwork. A stunned Jimmy follows him and Chuck suddenly realizes what happens and drop the paperwork as they stare at each other in shock. Uh, so what did you think of Rico? I I really liked this episode. I loved loved the uh, the beginning with with the cake and the facts going off. You're not hearing, but right. There's several things you know are being said in there, and none of them are good. Uh, right. And, oh, and yeah, I love that. I love that scene because it's just the silence and you just hear the the copier or whatever just yeah and, uh, I, I don't know if you did this and i i hope i'm not the only one but i i was like when it was happening i i kind of like moved closer to my tv like I, I, maybe i can hear what's happening and i was like oh man that's just so well done indeed um I, i'm assuming what is being said is i don't give a damn if you pass that bar exam you're not gonna get a piece of this company you know that kind of stuff yeah he was being um drunk. yeah yeah uh, the other, the other would be, uh, the, whenever Chuck's like, oh, the Lincoln, Nebraska, I exactly at that moment, I was like, oh, this is going to be a Rico. Like I knew exactly what he was going for. He's like, oh, I can't. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that, no, that's karma. That's a bitch. Indeed. Uh, I only know because when I kept talking to, when I saw the dark Knight 
and you know that he brings up the Rico thing, and I'm like, okay, you only right. read more about a Rico besides what they kind of half-assedly tell me in this movie. Yeah. So I always make a, a note to remember Rico because of <laughs> it can be a major shitstorm for that company. And then you know he brings up this whole, but no, that whole meeting was good. And then Chuck going outside and then dropping the boxes, realizing that he's a okay going outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have to think about it. Uh. And just uh, freaking Jimmy being in that damn dumpster. It was just, oh, it was so disgusting. But they just, they did a really good job of describing the things that would be in there without it being like so much in your face, but just like it looked like he just, they, he went to a nursing home and just went into the dumpster. That's exactly what it looked like. Uh, Yeah, uh, that was an awesome scene too because. Uh, just Why the, are you whispering? I'm at the opera. What? Which one? Mozart. Oh, what Mozart? The magic flute. Flute. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets out, and then all the shit he was looking for was in the nice, clean recycling bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which, if he had looked in first, would have saved him so much time. Uh, for people interesting, by the uh, interested, by the way, Rico is racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations act. It's actually that's the. It's uh, actually the law. So a, a Rico uh, a Rico operation is in reference to this law. And uh, just like uh, how the guy for for Sandpiper responded, he's like, you, like like we're like the mob or something, because that is kind of what. Yeah. Usually that is what Rico uh, does. However, there have been Rico cases. Uh, I, I mean, there have obviously there's some cases like Hell's Angels and Latin Kings, uh, the Gambino crime family, things like that. Uh, but there have also been Rico cases against Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. uh, pro-life activists, uh, Access Health Source, and uh, some fellow named Scott W. Rothstein, uh, a disbarred lawyer. Uh, and he had Rico, he had a Rico case brought against him, so... Um, it's not just crime family, so they there is like a there is like a thing. They didn't just pull this out of their ass that they could they could Rico this company. It's been done before. So um, I should actually go read up on that Major League Baseball Rico case. I'm wondering what the hell that's all about. Probably not good. No, probably not. I'm guessing it's the, an old the Expos. Good lord, I didn't really think about that, but. Um... Yeah, I'm going to go read up on that when we're done talking about it, or this uh, when we're done talking about this podcast, I guess, uh, this particular episode. Um, yeah, man, I agree with you pretty much, almost wholeheartedly. This was a really good episode. Uh, the thing with Chuck at the end where, uh, like, I think getting him back into the game or whatever, like, he just sort of forgot about the thing that his brain tells him is damaging. To, like, he was just so caught up in the moment, he just went outside like nothing, he, uh, it was it was more than just like nothing because he didn't just walk outside. He walked outside, went into the mailbox, grabbed Jimmy's, uh, you know, uh, electric lock or whatever to unlock the trunk. Uh, and none of this stuff phased him at all until uh, you know it was like that, uh, like the the Wiley e. Coyote uh, cartoons where like he's running and then there's just no ground underneath him and he doesn't fall until he looks. Uh, it was kind of like that, like Jimmy, like he was fine until Jimmy like made some sort of note to him. He's like, uh, Hey, and he's like, Holy shit. I'm outside. I'm holding an electronic device. 
What's going? Yeah, and clearly, uh, I'm wondering what's going to happen. Do you think? Uh, what do you think will happen, Glenn? Do you think uh, he will be like, you know, full relapse and be like, "Oh my God, I'm in pain. Give me my space blanket," or do you think he'll realize that it's all in his head? What do you think is going to happen next? I think that this will be a major blow, especially financially. Uh, either way, of him, oh, I'm relapsing, or he's okay. I feel yeah. like uh, Hamlin is going to step in. And this is what kind of drives, uh, it makes sense for, you could see the beginnings of Saul in this episode because of what this case does. Yeah. It's about sticking up for the little guy against a, a bigger entity. And that's, I mean, you just, I just kept thinking of all his fucking ads and all he ever did. And it's always drunk driving and it's always, you know, about some kind of thing for the little guy to get away. And that yep. was... Uh, and I, that's why I just saw the beginnings of this and it was, it's, it's sweet how innocent this is done. Like it is to help these old people, even though he, you know, he's also taking their money, but he is doing like, he is going to save them boatloads of it in the end. Yes. Uh, and that was, that's what I, I, I took away from it the most, especially toward uh, as, as it is going on when he's talking to that old lady, he's like, Oh, we'll see. They just have an allowance of $500 a month. And she's like, I'm just not explaining it. And she explains it. And it's just like, oh, man, mm -hmm. this sounds a lot like something he would have done as Saul. And, right. and that's probably what I, I enjoyed most about it was you really saw a, a clear beginning as, as to what he is going to become, I felt like, in this episode. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, so what would you grade uh, Rico? Um, I mean, I know I gave the last one a four, and I, I really did like this one, so I'm also going to just say four, because it, it didn't have that extra oomph to it, but there, I mean, that copier scene is one of the favorite, one of my favorite things I've seen in a while on television, um, and I just blew, blew through Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, so, but saying <laughs> something, uh, it was just, uh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was fun, you got back into the, you know, the backstory of, 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 Jimmy becoming Saul again after, you know, it seems like we're kind of, you're, you're just seeing his failures. Now you're seeing what those failures are doing to him uh, and what he's willing to do. And then, you know, just the, the little bits we're seeing in the mic, we're seeing how their relationship uh, fully forms because of him getting back into this fold, becoming somewhat of a mercenary hired hand and how this fits into him and Saul, you know, in, in a way being associates of one another. So yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give this one a four, uh, good, really good episode. And I, I did like it better than, uh, than bingo, uh, oh, yeah. getting to, uh, j just like the whole, uh, like this, this whole episode kind of centered around, uh, Chuck and, and, and Jimmy pretty much, uh, almost entirely. I mean, there was that bit with, uh, with Mike, which was sort of, I mean, and it is an important bit with him too, because this is, I think this is sort of like, you know, the setting him on the road to being the Mike that we know in breaking bad, like the guy who's just, uh, out there looking for quote unquote work to help his granddaughter, uh, and his, uh, I, I guess his, uh, daughter-in-law. Um, although I don't, I, I guess that does that, that still works, right? If, uh, he, she, even though her, even though his son is dead, she would still be her his daughter in law, presumably. I would assume. I, I don't I, know how that works. Maybe not the legal you. basis; it might not. But I'm, I'm sure he personally, like on an emotional level, sure. yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, ultimately, like a really good episode, and I like the Jimmy and Chuck stuff. I, I really, uh, yeah, it was becoming really apparent that uh, between Jimmy and his work, like these are the things that sets uh, that set Chuck off. Basically, like these are the things that either make him feel horrible or make him feel great, and it just depends on who's doing what. And uh, and that was made very clear in this in this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. We've got uh, well, according to this, it looks like we only have two episodes left. Yeah. Um, God, that's it. That's horrible, Glenn. It is horrible. I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> I, so I was hoping for show... I was hoping for thirteen episodes. But wow. So man. this show ends and then Gotham starts back up. Okay. Does it? Gotham does not come in back until uh, April six. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord, another week without Gotham. What am I going to do with these Monday nights? Uh, I don't know, Glenn. I may have to watch professional wrestling again. <laughs> Who knows? Um, okay, so uh, so for Glenn Bove, I'm Anthony Lewis. We'll be back next week talking Season 1, Episode 9 of Better Call Saul called Pimento. When all that crying just gave you away, who you gonna call to skip a prison stay? Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. you fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stay to the man. Call Saul. You best call now, you hear?